Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're going to talk about how close you are to God. Um, So we're going to start tonight and kick off the series. It's going to be a five-week series. Um, Next week, middle school, high school, we're going to split you up. Uh, So middle school, you'll be able to do your middle school stuff. High school, you'll be able to do your mature uh, high school stuff. Um, So, um, so, um, but, but tonight we're together and we're going to kick this off. And tonight I'm going to ask you a simple question. What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? Um, I, I could be asking you that about a lot. Um, I, yeah, I can, I can say what happened. You know, some of you, 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 maybe you think about, think that question about me. You're like, obviously this guy didn't look in the mirror. Like, what happened to this guy? Um, well, what happened? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm on a, um, a, a nutrition program to lose some weight because I asked myself that question looking in the mirror a couple weeks ago. I looked in the mirror. I said, what happened? <laughs> you know, I found out that since I, and this is your fault, okay? So I'm blaming you guys. Since I became your youth pastor seven years ago, I've put on 40 pounds. And I'd say about 35 of those pounds were directly attributed to you and your hot and ready pizzas. So I looked in the mirror and I said, what happened? Uh, But tonight, I want you to spiritually look at yourself in the mirror. And if you do that, you may ask yourself, you may ask yourself the same question I asked myself about the way I look in the mirror. What happened? Um, was there a time in your life where you were closer to God than you are right now? What happened? Was there a time where you were more excited about gathering together with the people of God than you are right now? What happened? Was there a time where you couldn't wait to get up in the morning or you couldn't wait to get home from school? What's up, Broger? You couldn't wait. You, but what happened? <laughs> Was there a time in your life where you couldn't wait to get up in the morning or get home from school so you could open this book and see what God had to say to you? But now you find excuses not to open it up. What happened? Were there days where it felt like God just every day was speaking to you and revealing something new and he was working in your life and now you can't even, you can't even remember the last time you had an incredible moment or a positive moment with God? What happened? Um, we could kind of look back on our lives and we could probably think, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. We could try to blame people that were close to us and maybe people that let us down or people that let us astray and we could blame them. But really, there's only one person that is responsible um, for where you are with God and that's you. There's only one person responsible for where I am with God and that's me. Um, do you feel far from God tonight? Now that I started talking about this, are you asking yourself that question? Man, what happened? I feel so far away from God. Well, tonight, um, we're going to start a five-week series on how you can get close to God again. I was trying to think of a fancy name for this series. The only thing I could come up with was close. Because doesn't everyone here want to be closer to God than you are right now? I do. If you have your Bible, open up to James chapter 4. Um, this is like the perfect way to start our series, um, because it talks about how we can get close to God. So I'm going to give you like a hot second to turn to uh, James chapter 4. We're going to read it together, and then of these eight verses we're going to read, there's one verse that is like the most important, big, kahuna, mamacita verse of all these verses that we're going to read tonight, and we're going to focus in on that one. So um, if you have your Bibles, James 4, if not, 
all the words are going to be on the screen, so let's, let's read it together. Before we read, let's just pray. Let's pray that God uh, speaks to our heart through his word tonight. So let's just let's bow our heads and pray. God, I pray that you'll work through our um, reading of your word. Um, I pray that you'll remove distractions that will cause us to think about things other than what you want us to think on. Um, God, I pray that you'll give us... Um, um, transparency and openness and kind of some vulnerability to where um, we'll be willing to kind of admit to ourselves and admit to you um, places where we've gone, gone, gone astray and, and where we can um, rededicate our lives to you. So God, I pray that you'll work tonight, that you'll speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read James chapter 1, verse, or James chapter 4, excuse me, James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You, don't, you do not have because you do not ask God, but when you ask, you don't receive, because when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Don't you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Of these 11 verses that we read here, or excuse me, 10 verses that we read here, um, there's one um, that I want to focus on, and it's verse 8. And it's the beginning part of verse 8, and it's beautiful, and it's this promise that God gives, and this is the promise. And we have it right here on the screen in big, bold letters. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. What happened? Do you feel like God is far from you? This is the promise that God makes to you. This is incredible. This promise says that if you take a step towards God, that he will take a step towards you. Incredible promise. But if you're like me, you're hard to convince. If you're like me, you're a little stubborn. If you're like me, you think that everybody else in the room is far from God and you're not. So the first question I want you to think about is, is there distance between me and God? Do I need to be closer to God? So from these verses, from these verses, I want to share with you six signs that you've drifted away from God. Before we go over these signs, I just want to reassure you, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and there's a date, there's a time in your life you can go back to and say, at this moment I believed in Jesus and I was saved, no matter how far you drift from God, you can never lose what God has given to you on the cross because it was something that he gave to you, but you can come very much out of fellowship with him. You can come very much to where you don't hear his voice and you, you don't feel his hand on your life. So six signs that I've drifted from God. First one, I'm surrounded by drama. I'm surrounded by drama. I thought this was like, the, I'm a Google image search guy, I thought this was just like the perfect picture of like, like the overly dramatic drama queen like, like girl. Like, like, and, and all of you have one of these at your school, don't you? All of you know somebody like this, don't you? Do you have drama in your life? Does it seem like everywhere you go, people are fighting and, and there's issues and there's this and that and back and forth. Drama, it says in our verses, are fueled by 
and inner battle. Look at what it says. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do you ask yourself that sometimes? It's like, why is it that everywhere I go, drama follows me? Why is it that everywhere I go, people are fighting? Why is it that no matter what friends I make, there's always some big issue that blows it up? James asks that question too. <laughs> so I think this is kind of a common thing. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And then he tells us where they come from. It says, they come from, don't they come from desires that battle within you? If you get to the center of most drama issues, it comes down to a couple things. It comes down to pride, people that are prideful. It comes down to people who are jealous. Many a drama has been, drama llama have been made. Many a drama llama have been born out of jealousy. Jealousy over boys or girls. Jealousy over what they have and I don't. So I'm going to start to manipulate the situation to turn my friends against this person. You know how it is. I don't even think I have to explain to you the problem of drama that surrounds people's life. And maybe you feel like this girl and it's just, it's all around you. And, and there are certainly things that have probably happened to you that were not your fault. You know, people are stupid. Addison doesn't let me say that word. You know, I probably have to put a quarter in the jar because I said the S word. <laughs> She's like, Daddy, we don't say stupid. But you know, people do ridiculous things, don't they? You know, there are some things that you, know, you can't help the thing that your friend did that caused all this big issue. But he, can I just tell you something? And you know this is true, okay? The girl, this girl at your school, the one says, I just can't get away from the drama wherever I go. I just got all this drama. She's the one that runs it, isn't she? Isn't it? The girl that's the most tired of drama is the one that's running it. Am I, not, am I, not, am I wrong? The, 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 one who, the people who hate the drama are the ones who run the drama. So let me ask you a question. If you feel like you're surrounded by drama, what is the common denominator? Man, that's, that, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough one. So I want to ask you this question. And this, is, this, is, this may be one of the hardest ones because it's your friends. And I know, friends are a big deal, I know. But... Are the people around me, just because we go to church, am I in healthy relationships with the people around me? Because just you, because you go to church with people does not mean that you guys share a healthy friendship, healthy relationship. And if you got a lot of drama in your, in your clique, in your circle, guess what? There is some spiritual unhealth. There's some viruses that are going on, and the only way to fix that is to fix yourself first. So, first sign that I've drifted from God, I'm surrounded by drama. Um, second sign that I've drifted from God, my prayer life is either non-existent or ineffective. Look at, look at what the, uh, verse number three says. It says, back up to the end of verse two, it says, you don't have because you don't ask God. Maybe the... This is so simple, but sometimes I, I, don't, I find myself not thinking about this. I'm thinking, man, why is God not doing anything in my life? I haven't heard from God for a week. I haven't heard from God since like last semester. I, I, I can look around my life and I can see zero evidence of God working. And then I ask myself, Matt, have you asked God to work in your life? Look at the end of verse 2. It says, you don't have because you don't ask God. A sure sign that there's distance between you and God is when you need something in your life or you need him to work in your life. Instead of asking God, you try to work it out yourself. And as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Right? So, so it, it, there's distance between you and, 
you and God if your prayer life is non-existent, but also if it's ineffective. Read verse three. It says, but even some, he's talking to them. He says, even some of you, yeah, you ask, you pray to God, but when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know that guy that your mom does not want you to go out with? And when you found out your mom does not want you to go out with that guy, you wanted to go out with him like 10 times more because your mom told you you can't go out with him. First off, your mom probably has a pretty good reason, right? She probably sees some things that you don't. But you start praying that God will allow you, will bring this guy into your life and that you'll be able to go out with this guy. This is just a hypothetical. Did it ever occur to you maybe your mom is praying the exact opposite? Why is it that your mom's prayer is working, but your prayer's not? It's because you're asking for something that will be incredibly detrimental to you and incredibly unhealthy for you. You're asking God to put you together with a guy that will probably hurt your heart. That will probably lead you down the wrong path. And you think, why is God not answering my prayers? Because he loves you. And he doesn't want to get you to get into something that's really going to hurt you. We're asking for the wrong things. If I'm far away from God, guess what? I don't know God's heart. And you know what I know is in the heart of God? What's best for me. What pleases him. And if I'm asking for all the wrong things and I'm getting all upset because God's not giving me the wrong things, I'm not the one. He's not the one who has to change, right? I'm the one who has to change. So there's distance between me and God if my prayer life is either non-existent or ineffective. Um, The next thing, just go down to verse 4. It says, the next one is, if I'm more comfortable around world stuff than God's stuff. This is kind of a, yeah, this is a verse that, you know, you don't really read um, in Bible school because it starts out by saying, you adulterous people. Um, if you were to look it up in the original Greek, that word for adulterous, it's a little more explicit than just adulterous. Um, it kind of uses words that maybe you've heard at school to describe people who sleep around a lot that I'm not going to say at church. Um, that's kind of what it says here. Um, it says, you adulterous people. So, man, I, I'm reading this. I'm, I'm expecting to get encouragement from God, and I found out that I'm an adulterer. Uh, that's not cool. Um, you adulterous people, then it says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, which means opposition or being an enemy against God? So that's what this verse is saying is that some of us, we're supposed to be servants of God, and we're essentially, spiritually speaking, cheating on God by following the world and following Satan and doing what he wants us to do and what the world wants us to do and what our bodies want us to do rather than what God wants us to do. Um, I got this picture of um, my friend Kylo up here. Um, how many of y'all met Kylo? You know who I'm talking about. Um, if you've, has, anybody, has anybody seen the movie? or not? Well, has anybody not seen the movie and wants to see the movie isn't afraid? I'm going to spoil it for him. Okay, out of respect for George and some of you, I'm going to, out of respect for George, Elizabeth, and Carson, I'm going to be very careful the way I say this, um, but I think you already know this if you watched the movie before this. Kylo is very innerly conflicted, isn't he? His dad is Han Solo, who's a good guy. He's working for the First Order, who are bad guys, and I think it's safe to say, even if you haven't seen the movie, you assume in this movie There are forces that are trying to pull him to one side or the other. And in your life, spiritually, there are forces that are trying to pull you 
from one side to the other. Romans 8 talks about it, that the Spirit is pulling you towards obedience to God, and the flesh is pulling you towards obedience to the world and Satan. But have you, this is a time to look in the mirror, though, and find out, hey, am I more comfortable around the world than I am around God? Let's make it real practical. Why is it that I can talk for hours about NFL football, but I can't talk for five minutes about what God's doing in my life? Why is it that I won't think a thing about missing church for practice, but I'd never think about missing practice to learn about God? See, there's this, there's this pull, there's this push and pull, and sometimes we have to take a step back. This is convicting for me too. Trust me, this is convicting for me too. We have to take a step back and think, okay, maybe, maybe I'm more comfortable around the world. You know what I learned? I've learned that if things aren't good between me and God, I don't really want to be here because I know I'm going to hear from God and it's going to make me uncomfortable. Um, God's word makes us really uncomfortable when there's distance between us. Um, so that's the next one. Yeah, you, you may have distance between you and God. You may be a redneck. You may have, there may be distance between you and God if you're more comfortable around the world stuff than you are around God stuff. Let's go to the next one because that one's, that one's tough. Um, next one, I take cues from my friends and feelings instead of the Spirit. Look at this next verse. It says, um, or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit he caused to dwell in us? This is a very difficult passage to translate. And um, our, if Anybody here have the King James or New King James? If you do, um, that translation says it in a really understandable and good way, and I like the way that they did that. But essentially, this is the truth here. If you're a Christian, if you put your faith in God, God put his, Evan, you're a Christian tonight. Didn't know if you know that. He put his spirit inside you to cause you to do the right things and to make, help you to make the right choices. And that spirit speaks to you and he leads you to do the right things. But you have to take your cue from the spirit. You're the one that decides where you're going to go on Friday night. You're the one that decides how you're going to react to your parents. You're the one that decides who you go out with. Except Addison. I decide who she goes out with. Um, but um, you know, you're, the one who you're, you're the one making the decisions, so you can follow the cues from the Holy Spirit that God has put inside you to have you go down the right path, or you can follow cues from your friends who aren't necessarily bad people and don't always give you bad advice. But have you ever had your friend give you, tell you something to do and it was really the wrong thing to do? Like, it wasn't even like, hey, go like, smoke a joint, but it was like, hey, you should go out with him. He's really cute. And you're like, oh, I really wish I wouldn't have now. Um, so, so do you follow your friends more than you do the Holy Spirit? Do you follow your feelings? Do you just kind of do what you think is going to make you happy rather than what is going to make God happy? Um, we, I have to tell you, sometimes I find my, I follow my feeling, um, I follow my feelings a lot. Um, I try to keep up with people, and I try to compete with people. Um, me and my uh, best friend in college, we were the most competitive people you'll ever meet. And if I did something, my friend Ryan had to do it. If Ryan had to do something, I had to do it. And um, we used to work together, too. And we were on this big health kick. And, I mean, it's back when I was, I mean, I was, I was buff. You know, I, I, was, I was hitting the gym like twice a day. Anyway, so we were always trying to drink protein and eat healthy. So one day I went into work with a bag of apples. And I decided I was going to eat an apple every hour. And I found out I was going to the bathroom every 30 minutes, so I stopped that. But you know what happened? The next day, Ryan comes in with his bag of apples. Then Ryan decides, hey, you know, a really good source of protein would be to eat an entire rotisserie chicken for lunch. 
So into the office walks Ryan with an entire rotisserie chicken. He eats the whole thing. I was like, man, that smells really good. You know what I do next day? I'm walking in with a rotisserie chicken. Um, that's kind of a funny example of taking cues from your friends, but you know what it means to take cues from your friends. You go wherever they go. You go to whatever parties they go, and the Holy Spirit is screaming at you, do this, do this, but you're taking your cues from sources that are leading you down the wrong path. The next um, way that we know that there is distance between us us and God, um, God's Word does not play an important role in my life. I have this picture of this, um, this kid who is blind, but the light is in front of him, but he has no idea the light is in front of him because he's blind. And I think for some of us, we have been blinded by Satan. We have no idea that there is a flashlight right here, that if we take our blindfold off and we had our flashlight, we could know where we're supposed to go. When I wake up, um, sometimes in the middle of the night, Addison's crying, and she needs someone to comfort her, so I go into her bedroom to comfort her. There's this problem, though, um, with... The bedroom is dark, and on the floor are a million of these ridiculous toys she has called Hatchems. And they're about this big around, and they're pointy. And I'm going, I can't see a thing, and I'm going like this. And I'm hoping that I don't hit a Hatchem. And nine times out of ten, I hit one of those stupid Hatchems. But every once in a while, I make it totally blind and don't get one, and I feel so good about myself. But the truth is, I just got lucky. Some of us, we try to navigate life without God's word. And every once in a while, we do something that's right. And we think, hey, I've got this. But what we don't realize is even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. But nine times out of ten, you know what it's like in your life when you're not living by the light of this book, falling all over the place. You feel like it was 2017 like that for you? You were stumbling all over the place because you didn't have the light of God's word. If you read here, it says, do you think, verse 5, that scripture says without reason that God jealously longs for us? I underlined without reason because every word in here has a reason. Every word in here is meant to point us in a certain direction in life. So when's the last time you picked up this book and read it? And for all you that are like me and sometimes get a little self-righteous because you read your Bible every day, when's the last time you picked up this Bible, you read it, you put this Bible down, and you lived it, and you obeyed it? Um, We're going to be talking about that during our series. Here's the final one. Maybe you've made it through all these and you think you've got it, but this is the great equalizer. There may be distance between me and God if I don't think I have a problem. Read this, verse 6. Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Do you see the dichotomy? Do you see the the, the either-or that's presented here? You're either a friend of God or you're proud. You're either on God's team or you're full of pride. You can't be full of pride self-righteousness, and still be on God's team. It actually says that if you are full of self-righteousness, if you think you're better than everybody else, God is opposed to you. I have the picture of the Titanic because um, maybe you've heard this quote from the builder of the Titanic. He probably felt really bad after everything happened, but this is what he said about the Titanic. God himself couldn't sink this ship. That's what he said. And you know what happened. Hope you haven't watched the movie. 
And I wouldn't say that, and here, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I don't think God necessarily sunk that ship. An iceberg sunk that ship. But you know what? I bet a lot of pride was involved with the way that they chose to, 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 to operate that ship and not be worried about hitting icebergs, right? Pride get, puts big blind spots in our life to dangers. Um, and maybe you went through all these, all, all the five. I don't have drama in my life. I don't have this. I read my Bible. I obey my Bible. But you told yourself this. This lesson does not apply to me. I don't have a problem. You may be in one of the worst positions than anybody else in this room. Because get the first step in solving a problem is admitting you have a problem. So some people that have already been convicted about one of these points and that have already said, you know what, there is distance between me and God. I need to change my life. I'm really scared if you've made it all the way through here and said, me and God are A-OK. Because you've got a world of problems in your life and you don't even realize it. So what happened? What happened? How did you get so far from God? How did I get so far from God? This is something I'm working through too. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was a combination of these six things. But what do I do now? How do I get close to God? Draw near to God and he will come near to you. Take the first step and trust that God will meet you. Um, So there's three things I think we do to take that first step. Got D words tonight for your application. I'd ask you to to make a commitment to each of these D words. Um, So you can go ahead, Drew, and and, and put the first first D word up. But um, I really want you to think about these. And this, the first one, we find it in verse uh, verse 7, and it's decide. Um, Verse 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This word submit, it means to fall in rank. It's a military term. It means I'm going to fight for God's army. How ridiculous would it be if, if somebody walked into this, this building and half of their outfit was U.S. military and half of their outfit was Al-Qaeda or ISIS? How ridiculous would that be? You're like, man, you, you can't be either or. You can't fight for ISIS and you can't fight for the United States of America. You have to be one or the other. But how sad is it that some of us, we go through our lives and we say, I'm a Christian when I need to be a Christian. And I'm whatever else when I need to be whatever else. There's this really interesting study done amongst like, um, teenagers in the past like, two, two to three years. So, you know, a lot of, pretty much all you guys except the youngest. They find that, t- that most Amer- American teenagers, and, and adults do this too, by the way, they found out, but American teenager has about four different personas that they have to juggle. There's the person that your parents want you to be, and you act a certain way in front of your parents and around your parents because they expect you to. There's the person that your friends want you to be. There's the person that your teacher wants you to be. And if you are um, in a relationship, there's the person that your um, boyfriend or girlfriend wants you to be. And you juggle those four people. And what do we know about juggling is that all it takes is one little hiccup and all the pins fall. It's like trying to spin a bunch of plates on your hands. All it takes is one little slip up and all the plates come crashing down. And you live in a sphere that all the plates are going to come crashing down. And you're going to be exposed to your parents for who you really are. You're going to be exposed to the people in your church for who you really are. You know what the solution to that is? Right here. 
Submit yourselves to God. Put on God's uniform. Play for the right team. It says to submit to God, and then it says resist the devil. So here's the thing I've learned. I can't submit to God if I'm not resisting the devil, and I can't resist the devil if I'm not submitting to God. But here's the really cool promise. It says resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Are you tired of Satan running your life? Are you tired of Satan getting in and screwing your life up? Here's what you do. You say, God, I'm all yours. I'm yours when I'm in front of my parents. I'm yours, yours when I'm in front of my friends. I'm yours when I'm with my girlfriend. And I'm yours at school. And I refuse to give Satan an inch of my life. This is a promise that if you resist the devil, he will flee. He will get out of there. To steal a line from KV at Winter Jam, not today, Satan. Um, <laughs> Satan only, we've talked about this before, Satan only flees through active resistance. So you need to decide tonight that you're going to stop trying to juggle all these pins, and you're going to be one person, and you're going to be God's person. The next is do. It says, come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Take the first step. The first step is draw near to God. What does that look like to you? What does it look like you to draw near to God? Maybe it's falling back in love with this book. Um, maybe, maybe it's committing to praying. Uh, maybe it's committing to, to, to live a certain way. We're going to be talking through all those things over the next couple weeks, but decide what area you, you want to start. People say, Matt, do I need to read my Bible first or do I need to pray first? I just say yes. <laughs> do something. I promise if you start praying, God's going to lead you to read this book. And if you start reading this book, God's going to lead you to praying. Just do it. Just, I feel like Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. So, so, so do it. Um, how do you do that? You pure, it says purify your hearts, wash your hands, purify your hearts. Um, so, so, so confess your sins. Start fresh. I think to me, that's the, when, it, when I need to draw close to God, that's the first step. The first step towards God is saying, God, I'm not where I need to be with you and I'm far away from you. Will you please come back into my life? But the good news is God does do-overs. You can't retake some tests you, know, you can't turn in homework assignments that weren't submitted and you got a zero. Some teachers let you, some teachers don't. But here's the great news of the cross is that God does do-overs. God allows makeup work. Confess your sins to God. Here's the final one, drop. Stop pretending to be someone you're not. Some of the most miserable people are people that are trying to convince everybody else that there's nothing wrong between them and God. But inside they know there's so much distance. Um, it says here in, in verse 9, if, if you don't understand, don't just read verse 9 or verse 9 and 10 or else it's really depressing. Uh, You've got to read it in the whole passage here. But it says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. This does not mean that you need to start being uh, the most gloomy person in the world. But what it's supposed to say is you've got to come to grips with where you are. You've got to come to grips that there's distance between you and God. And once you realize that, and once you admit that, look what it says in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. So what happened? How are you so far from God? I don't know how you got there. To be honest, I don't know how I got there. But I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to draw close to God and trust that he's going to draw close to me. So will you join me over these next four weeks? Uh, will you make a commitment to fall back in love with your Bible, to learn how to pray, to follow the cues of the Holy Spirit, and to actually obey what God tells you to do? Um, I'm willing to do it with you. So let's plan to do it.
Uh, we're going to split into our tag groups. Um, but before we do that, I want to I wanna pray for you guys. Um, Father, this is, this is a tough pill to swallow for me. I'm sure it's a tough pill to swallow for several people, probably a lot of us tonight. Uh, God, we don't want we, we to end this year further away from you. We want to end this year closer to you. We don't want to just know about you. We want to know you. Uh, we want you to be the one who orchestrates our lives because how beautiful that will be. So God, I pray that we will confess the distance that's between us, that we'll take a step towards you, and that we'll trust that you are running towards us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.